Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco? Buonasera, Sam. I'm well, thank you. Good to be here again. Yeah, great to have you on. And Emmett Gates, how are you, Emmett? Been a while. You, you okay? Yeah, been a while, Sam. Good to be back. Yeah, all good, 100%. Looking forward to getting stuck into this and talking about uh, sorry, our struggles in Europe. Always a favourite topic of conversation. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll certainly get on to that. Um, with it being the international break, I want to first look at the Serie A table and how it's sort of all broken up at the moment. And we're going to start with the title race. Uh, so, Francesco, final international break of the season. So we, we're into the you know final straight now. And at the moment, it's Milan who have the advantage in the table. They're three points clear. One thing I wanted to touch on here is they've had three straight 1-0 wins. So it hasn't been particularly easy on the eye, but defensively they've been very solid. And, and the mainstay of the back four this season has been Vicario Tamori. He's just been overlooked by England, actually, to the shock of quite a few people. Um, I want to get your thoughts on how surprised you are by that. And also, how good do you think Tamori is? I'm... I mean, someone who watches Serie A, uh, it is, I find it difficult to believe that any international team has uh, enough centre-backs that are better than Tamori for him not to get a call back to call up. Uh, you know, I think there's an argument to say that he has been the best defender in Serie A this season. Um, he's certainly been critical to, to what Milan have done so far. And, um, you know, I've seen... Maguire and Stones play and it to me is a huge it's it's incomprehensible I don't understand why I mean I have a theory that it might be well I think to start off with any player who plays outside of their home country's league um, can sometimes be penalized by that I'm guessing that Gareth Southgate probably pays more attention to Premier League than he does to Serie A which is understandable Um, and so that possibly is something that that is not helping Tomori. But also, I think his, to me, his only big mistake that I can remember this season happened in the game against Liverpool. So I'm guessing in that moment when maybe a lot of those kind of, that a lot of English football is watching, and I imagine that Gareth Southgate would have been watching that match, they see Tomori make that mistake and they come to the conclusion that he is someone to make mistakes. But I'd be surprised if that was the case. I, I don't really know, understand why. And yeah, to me, it is a big surprise because, as I say, to me, I think he's been arguably the number one defender in, in the league this season. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking that if Milan do win the league this season, he has a great shot of getting best Serie A defender along with, I guess it would probably be him and Koulibaly and, and possibly Skriniar, but they're all sort of in that mix, aren't they? What about you, Emmett? Because I, I know you cover Liverpool as well and, um, you know, perhaps he didn't have his best game, um, you know, at Anfield in particular when Liverpool scored three goals, but, you know, Southgate called up six centre-backs actually and, and Tamori hasn't made that squad. I think... <laughs> You know, Francesco makes a good point in that obviously the Champions League is a higher profile and that mistake is going to be magnified. But I think what makes the omission even more glaring is that when you see Hoy Maguire, who is 
at the minute a cure crash of a defender who makes about seven mistakes every single game. That makes it all the more and it makes it all the more like frustrating that Tomori has not got in this squad. You know, it'd be different if all of the defenders that Southgate picked are all in good form. But I mean, Throw Mings and now Maguire have been awful, especially Maguire, who doesn't look like an eight million pound footballer, let alone eighty million. So that makes it all the more uh, annoying. Obviously, you know, obviously from a, a Milan perspective, they'd be glad because he gets to stay at Milanello for two weeks, you know, or in Dubai or wherever Milan. I saw actually Milan were in Dubai, um, for the I think it's Dubai Expo. So I mean, he gets the rest essentially for two weeks. So from a Milan perspective, they're happy. But for, obviously from Tomori's personal perspective, you're thinking what more can he does he have to do to get into the squad at this point, considering how most of the the centre-backs Southgate called up have been awful. Um, you, you obviously just have to look at it and think that it is Premier League bias. You know, at a certain, at a certain time, Serie A was the same. In the 90s, if you didn't play in Serie A, it was a death sentence. Like you were basically excommunicated from the Azzurri. But then you put, you put the shoe on the other foot and say, well, he's called up Tommy Abraham, who plays in the same league as Tomori. So is Southgate only watching Roma matches and not Milan matches? I, I, I'm dumbfounded, to be honest, of how he could leave Tomori out, who has probably been, you know, as you both have pointed out, arguably the best defender in the league, along with uh, Daniele Rugani. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw actually Tammy Abraham's had to actually pull out of the squad through injury today, I saw, um, which is a shame for him because he's been in great form and, and we'll touch on him in a minute, actually, because if Milan are going to win the league, Francesco, it looks like their defence is probably going to win it for them. For Napoli, it looks like perhaps it will be more their attack. And what I'm getting at here is Victor Ozzeman, who scored four in their last two games. How highly do you rate Ozzyman in terms of, you know, you said Tomori is possibly the best defender in Syria. Has Ozzyman perhaps got a case for being the best striker in the league? I think maybe he has a case. Um, and and I, I really like Ozzyman as a player. I also, I'm, I'm constantly surprised at how complete he is you know I didn't think he ha- it feels like he has everything his hold up play is excellent he, he brings other players into the, into the play he he plays up front on his own he does score goals he's really good in the air he's really fast he's technically very good you know he he has it seems like he has everything the criticism I would have um, is that possibly he should be scoring more you know, Vlaovic has scored nearly twice the amount of goals that Osimhen has scored this season, and so I feel like Osimhen has the potential to be the best striker in the league, but possibly he's not quite there yet. Um, having said that, he he still is uh, an excellent player, and I think he is making a difference in Napoli this season. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd say. I'd say he still probably ha- hasn't yet fulfilled his full p- potential, and when he does. Um, he will be definitely right up there. Yeah, certainly uh, looks to be flying at the moment and you know, almost single-handedly keeping Napoli in the title race this last couple of weeks. I want to move on to the, the third side who are in this title race, this really exciting title race, and that's Inter, who I, I think, you know, six weeks ago, we all thought we're going to run away with the league, perhaps. Now they're down to third and can't buy a win at the moment. 
Emma, can you put your finger on exactly what's gone wrong for them, considering in the Champions League, they were the match of Liverpool, I thought, across the two legs, um, and, and were perhaps a little bit unlucky to go out. Yet in the league, they're constantly dropping points at the moment. Well, as you rightly said, Sam, they give, you know, over that 180 minutes against Liverpool, they give them a really good game for about 150 of them. And the thing that kind of cost them against Liverpool is what is costing them points now. I, they're just not, they don't create enough and they're not clinical. Like against Liverpool, I don't think Alisson in either game had a, sh- had a shot to save. You know, Inter's build-up play was really good until the final third and then it just withered. And I think you're seeing that now over the last month or so. Um. Chanalolu started really well at Inter this season. And he's you would kind of look at that midfield and see him as the real creator. Brazovic gets it going. Barella is a dynamo that goes up and down. But Chanalolu has to bring something to the table. And I think he's kind of majorly went off the boil in the last two months, three months, I would say. I don't think he's been as good as he was in the first four months of the season. Um, Jacko, Ed and Jacko and Latro Martinez, they're not really combining that well. I think I saw a stat yesterday that basically said that Latro hasn't provided any assists for Jacko and vice versa. So they're clearly not combining that well. Even though Jacko scored a lot of goals and Martinez has scored a lot of goals, I think as a pair, obviously Latro Martinez worked a lot better with Lukaku. Um, I just think, and I also think Simone and Zaghi kind of, when you look back on it now, he maybe overperformed in the first half of the season with Inter because it got to a point where you'd actually forgot that they had sold Lukaku, had sold Hakimi, uh, Christian Eriksen had to leave because of his uh, heart condition and they lost Conte. You kind of almost forgot that up until the turn of the year. And then things have just slowly unraveled. And I also think Interside's quite old, and I think basically they're just running out of steam. Like the legs are not there. You know, the likes of Vidal, Jacko, Perisic, they're all pretty old. Um, and I just think, and also Simone and Zaghi doesn't have a plan B. Plan A is not working. What, what, how does he change it? He just maybe brings on Alexis Sanchez and hopes that Sanchez can do something. So I think they overperformed in the first half of the year, and now they're just slowly. They're not, I wouldn't say they're being found out, but I think the energy levels have just dropped off and they're not created enough and they're not being clinical. That's the only way I could, uh, the only way I can analyze it. Yeah, out of, out of that uh, sort of top four, they're certainly the side out of form. What, what do you think, Francesco, about inter struggles? I, I, I feel like it's mental. I think they. They, there was a point in the season where they were kind of seven, I think seven points clear of the rest. And like you said, Sam, I think everyone thought they'd already won the title. And then um, as soon as uh, the possibility of that not ha- happening, so not even a good possibility of that not happening, but as soon as the chance that that might not happen entered their minds, they've completely gone away. I think they've tightened up massively. Um, I don't. I don't really think it's a. I, I know that Emma mentioned the fact that they're not the youngest side, but I think it's. I don't really think it's a physical thing. I think it's a mental thing that they've just lost their way. It's, you know, I, I watch quite a bit of tennis, and it feels a little bit like when you see those tennis players dominate for two sets, 
and then they tighten up and somehow they manage to lose matches that they should just easily win. And that it feels like in, it's, it's, it's all within their own minds that this is happening. You know, they've just tightened up massively. They're choking. That's what it feels like. Um, and the other thing I'd say is I think in the last couple of games, well, in the last few games, they've had a few more injuries because what happened in the first half of the season, they were the best side in terms of their injury problems. Hardly anyone missed any games. And in the last few games, they have had a few guys out. I think De Vrij has been a big miss, even though his form was not great. He, he is still a big miss when he's not there. And I think Brozovic, you know, I've said before on the podcast, I think he is the best player in the league. And I think these last two matches have not changed how I feel about that the fact that he wasn't there and how much they miss him. I think when Vecino played against Torino, you know, the drop-off was huge. They Inter really struggled and it affects every department and it affects both phases. I think Brozovic is key to because of how he interprets that position. So the injury, you know, these, these injuries to key players and the fact that they just tightened up mentally is, is what's doing it, I think. Um, what I would say is that that uh, you know because when they get back after the after the international break they'll be playing Juve away, and um, you could say that it's the worst possible time to play Juve who are off off the back of quite a good run. I think they've gone kind of seventeen matches in Italy without defeat and they're climbing back at the table. But if you look at it another way, it is the kind of game that if Inter win could kind of reset their their mindset, get them going again, change the momentum. So. It possibly comes at a good time. I until kind of this this latest uh, draw, I thought Inter were I, I thought Inter were the favourites for the league all season. Now I'm not sure, but I would say that if they beat Juve, they would become favourites again. So yeah, I, I at the moment it feels pretty bleak for Inter, but I still think they're they're in a in a good position really. Inter and never beat Juve, about- De Francesco. Even even when Juve is bad, they always win the Derby d'Italia. <laughs> they always have the psychological edge over Inter. Even when Inter are, are superior team, <laughs> they always lose. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that the, that's the, the other thing that might might help Inter slightly is the fact that going into that match, it's probably the first time in the best part of two years that they won't be the favourites going into a game in Italy. I think they've been the favourites for such a long time. I mean, all this season, every game they played, you'd say Inter are the favourites to win this match. Going into that Juve game, the way Juve are going at the moment and the way Inter are going at the moment, you'd probably say that's not the case. So even that might help them reset their mindset a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. On to Juventus now, and they're currently fourth in the league, but they seem to be clawing it back a bit, and they're, they're seven points behind with eight games to go. Emma, what sort of chance do you give them of actually, you know, somehow getting this deficit back and, and winning the league? Um, or do you think that's a bit out of their grasp? Uh, I kind of, I hope that it is out of the grasp because it would be a depressing state of affairs if this Juve team manage to claw back all those points and win the league. It would be it would be absolutely awful for Serie A if that actually did happen because this is the worst Juve team for what eleven years. Like kind of the last season before Antonio Conte came, you know, Juve have not been this bad for that long. And for do them really, do you do you really do you, I'm sorry for butting in, but do you really think that though Emmett? But it's the worst team in the last if you know is it worse than the team that won the league with Matri and Thiago is it, is it really worse than those sides there? I, I've, 
Go on. Kev. I mean, sorry, I interrupted you. In, in terms of in terms of up front, no, because I mean you've got Vlahovic, Dybala, whatever. But I mean, you think of that the the first side that won the Scudetto had Pirlo, Vidal, and Marquisio. That midfield, it had Chiellini, Bonucci, Borzagli, Buffon. You know, Juve have none of like Juve still have Chiellini and Bonucci now, but ten years down the line, you know, Juve were and plus they had Conte as coach. You know, and Matri was still there. Are you talking about the season before Conte arrived? I I can't. I I just remember the first. You know, I feel like this Juve team is not as bad as everyone's saying. Objectively, if you look at the squad, there there is quality throughout the squads. I know if you, obviously that that midfield was an amazing midfield. You know, Vidal at his peak plus Pirlo and Pogba is, is such a good midfield. But I don't think this is a terrible Juve side in the terms of the quality of their players. There's oh yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot there, and I also feel like you know this Juve side isn't that different to the Juve sides that have won the league in, in the last decade. This is always how they win the league. They've never they've never played amazing football. They just get it done. I think, yeah, you have a point in the sense that th- there's not many bad players, but as a squad, as a cohesive unit, they're awful. I mean, Villarreal took them apart. Well, I wouldn't say took them apart. I mean, they're pretty, like, Allegri was out Allegri'd by Unai Emery, you know, last week. But I just feel like there's no cohesive structure the way there was in the first couple of seasons under Conte. You, you There was a system in place. Everybody knew what they were doing. yes. The, the team wasn't as good as the, you know, the sum of its parts, but you knew how they were going to play. There was a structure and they won games. This this team is just, it's a the squad is a bloated mess. It's top heavy. The players don't, you know, like Juve just bought players for the sake of buying players. There's, they're good players in and of themselves, but as a squad, like if this team, if this squad was to win Serie A, and, and and not even that, the fact that there were so many points behind, you know, before Christmas, and for them to claw back all these points and win the league, that I thought would be that would be a dire state of reverse if that was to happen. And I hope it doesn't happen. So now we, we've talked about the four contenders and, and they're all within seven points of each other, as I said. So I want to um quickly ask you both, and I'll come to you, Francesco, first. Who are you tipping to win the league? It's such a difficult question. Um, I was thinking before before I came on, you know, who who would I choose? And it's it's hard. I really don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like the, the that Juve Inter game is a big is a big big game. I, I I feel like from now until the end of the season, Milan will probably drop points. Um, but but they're looking. They, you know, it's, I I've never thought that Milan could win the league until now. They they look strong, but I do feel still like they they they've got uh, you know games where they can drop points. So I, I'd probably say the team that wins between Juve and Inter is is going to take a big step forward towards the title. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I know. I'm not even sure if that's true. I think. I think if, if Inter win that game, then... <laughs> sitting on that fence, Francesco. <laughs> if if can Inter win that an, game, can I we think... get a name out of you? <laughs> uh, let's go for. <laughs> let's go for. Inter, I think. Still, I thought you were going to go for Napoli then, having named every other. Well, I, that's the other thing. I think maybe it's Napoli, but 
Okay, so you're going with Okay. And Emmett, how about you? <sighs> My head says Milan. My heart says Napoli. I would love to see Napoli do it just because they haven't won it in 32 years. And I would love to see Koulibaly, you know, kind of get rewarded for his loyalty to Napoli all these years. Um, so I'd love them to do it. And plus, it would, it would be nice to see Spalletti, you know, get a, a long-awaited Scudetto. But I think Napoli with, you know, or Milan with the, the three-point gap on, on Napoli and a six-point on Inter. I know Inter have a game in hand. But I think, as Francesco says, the Derby d'Italia will maybe not prove decisive in terms of the actual title race. But if Juve win, I could see Inter finishing fourth. I think Juve's momentum would probably take them to either second or third, and Inter would be lucky to <laughs> finish fourth. And I think then it would be between Milan and Napoli. Um, so I will pick one of those two. I'm not going to be like Francesco and sit in the fence. I'll give you at least two, two teams out of the four. <laughs> okay. All who right. Do you, who so do you think, Sam? Who do I think? I think... Oh, no, I don't know. Uh, you're going to sit in the fence now. Too. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll have to pick someone. And I'm going to say Milan will win the league, I think. But, but I don't say that with much confidence. Um, so you, you touched on it there, though, that you said that whoever, you know, maybe loses the Derby d'Italia could actually struggle to finish fourth. And that was going to be my next question, actually. We sort of got Atalanta and Roma coming on a bit strong as well. Francesco, do you give either of those sides a, a sniff of getting into the top four? Or do you think the top four is pretty much set? No, I, th I think Atalanta especially still have a chance. They've got a game in hand on Juve. Um, and I think if they win that, they'd be five points behind. Yeah, so, right. you know, there's still there's still eight games to play after that. So they and and they have they are a team that can put a run together. Um, so I don't think it's out of the question that Atalanta get back into the top four. I do think it's unlikely, and um, I think I'd, I'd be very surprised if Roma are able to do it, even though they have they have been playing better. And how about you, Emmett? Do you, do you give uh, Atalanta or Roma a chance or do you think it's more likely Europa League for those teams? Yeah, I I think the top four is pretty much set. And I think the reason for that is is that because Atalanta and Roma are still in Europe and they will, you know, Atalanta will be playing Thursday night, maybe Sunday night or Monday and the same for Roma. And I don't think their both squads are big enough for both competitions. So I think Atalanta will try to see as far as, you know, you look at the, the, the Europa League draw and if Atalanta beat RB Leipzig, you could easily see them making the final because they play the winner of Rangers or Braga. And there's no reason why Atalanta, if they get past Leipzig, they should be in the final. So I think Gasparini will put all his eggs in that basket. And, you know, you maybe look at it and say they could meet Barcelona in the final. If they win that, they'll get back into the Champions League as Europa League winners. But yeah, I think because Atalanta and Roma are still in Europe, that them two will end up being fifth or sixth, probably. I, don't, I think the top four is pretty set. Okay, and now I want to go on to the other end of the table and the relegation places. 
And Francesco, it, it's looking, unfortunately, and I, I know we've all got a bit of a soft spot for Salernitana, but it's looking like they're pretty much doomed. Do you think it's going to be two out of three from Cagliari, Venezia and Genoa or any other side can possibly be dragged into that, do you think? So I I actually think that um, the it's going to finish the way it is. I think that Venezia, Genoa and Salernitana are going to go down. I know it's only three points at the moment, but Cagliari, even though they lost this weekend, they look like a decent side now. They're, they're competing with everyone and um, I think they are going to pick up more points than, than those three from now until the end of the season. And I think that Spezia and Sandaria, who are, you know, the two positions above, they, they've got a bit of a gap. I think they've got a seven-point gap, which is quite a lot to make up for someone like Venezia. So, yeah, I think it's going to finish with Venezia, Genoa and Salernitana going down. And how about yourself, Emma? Do you see it any differently? No, I agree with Francesco. Um, I think the kind of, as we touched on with the top four, I think the bottom three is pretty much set. Um, I can't see anyone else getting dragged into it. Um, and Cagliari have kind of, under Walter Mazzari, have kind of got their act together and are steadily climbing up the league. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you'll be devastated to see Genoa gone. Your your favourite team, Sam. They're doing their best to stay up, aren't they? They've had, <laughs> what was it, six draws on the trot, or no, seven draws maybe. And then they finally won this weekend. Um but, yeah, it looks like they, they might have left themselves a bit too much to do so they can go down and have six managers next season in Syria, in Syria B, and we'll see how they get on. But, uh, yeah, OK, so you're both tipping uh, the same three teams to go down. All right, well, next topic I want to move on to is, is Europe. And, and, of course, we had a load of European fixtures last week. And for the second season on the trot, unfortunately, we're not going to have any Serie A sides in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Um, I know, Emma, you were talking about how, you know, if Juve won the league, it would be a tra travesty given how they're not very good. So with Italian sides also struggling in Europe, does it perhaps bring into question a little bit sort of the quality of the league at the moment? We're seeing how competitive it is, but are you a little bit concerned about the quality? Yeah, I mean, I put out a tweet at the start of the season before a ball was kicked, and I basically, it was something to the effect of, because last summer, Serie A got pillaged by clubs, you know, so many good players left the league, and I said something to the effect of, the title race will be really competitive this season, but it's because most of the teams are pretty average and they'll struggle in Europe, but it'll make the league exciting. And that's essentially, it's played out exactly as I said. You know, we've seen it in the Champions League, you know, you could maybe count up all four teams, you know, Juve, Milan, Inter, Atalanta, how many of them actually won a game in the Champions League from all four sides? Like, it, I would take a guess, say it wouldn't even be double digits. Maybe, maybe just just about maybe 11, 10 wins between four teams. Um, they look way off the pace. Every especially well, Juve did okay in the group, but I mean the group had like Malmo in it and St. Petersburg, you know, and they get smashed by Chelsea. Milan looked in their two games against Liverpool. Liverpool were in second gear, and Milan still struggled. Atlanta, I thought Atlanta would have got out of the group. They didn't, um, and obviously they're doing well in the Europa League. But yeah, I mean, 
we could, we literally could spend three hours talking about this issue and all the you know the the problems with Italian football in general, but it all feeds into the lack of money, and lack of money means lack of better players. And then you can get into the issue of tactics. You know, Allegri's approach in those two Villarreal games was horrendous. I mean, Villarreal, with all due respect to Villarreal, aren't the greatest side. But if you if you if you looked at if you watched those two games and you did not know who Villarreal were, you'd think they were a really you know brilliant side, and Allegri had just come to park the bus, hit on the counter, get a goal. The, he showed Villarreal far too much respect. Juve in both games should have just took the game by the scruff of the neck and scored two or three goals, and that was it. Um, so then you, you have the age old mentality of. Italian coaches are still very defensive-minded and that basically doesn't cut the mustard in Europe. And I also think another aspect, which I have noticed particularly in the Champions League, is that Italian referees blow the game far too much. When I, like I watch all the Italian teams in the Champions League and the amount of times they went down, players went down expecting a free kick and didn't get it, but they would get that same foul in Serie A and the referee... So many times you'd see the referee just go and get up and then a man's out of position or whatever. So I think referees in Serie A are far too lenient. And this plays into what we see in the Champions League. The the, the players, A, they go down, demand a free kick. B, they're out of position then when the other team breaks. And C, Serie A games are very broken up, very fragmented. A lot of times referees just seem to blow just because they have the power to blow. With Champions League games run, there's, the ball's in play more. There's a bit more fluidity to it. And that also, Italian teams struggle with that. They struggle with a high press. Like we saw that when Inter and Milan played Liverpool. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't, both teams couldn't handle it. And we've seen that in other Italian sides as well. So there's a myriad of problems. And I mean, I, I could talk about this topic till I'm blue in the face. Um, but I don't think, I, I was like, just to go, to cycle back to what I said at the start, it makes the league very competitive because you don't know who's going to win it and teams can take points off other teams. But when it comes to Europe, especially that top four, the way it all panned out this season, it didn't surprise me in the slightest. Actually, the Villarreal game against Juventus did, but everything else, I kind of, yeah, that was par for the course. Something that you mentioned there towards the start was how you know Serie A did lose a lot of really good players last summer, and it's already looking like that could be the case again this summer. Uh, you know, I've seen Ozymen linked with clubs already. Dybala looks like he's not going to stay at Juve. He, he could go to Inter, but he could also go abroad. Um, it looks like Conte might try to sort of you know get a few players from Juve or Inter. Um, so. How can these Serie A sides start to close the gap, do you think, Francesco? Um, because we, we've talked about how that they may lose some good players, but is it also a sort of mentality issue and they don't have the belief that they can compete with these other sides in Europe at the moment? No, it's, Emmett's right when he says it's about the money. So at the moment, there's basically about six or eight teams who have a lot more money than everyone else in Europe. And they're the guys that regularly gets the quarterfinals. So that you have these outliers like Villarreal, and I agree with Emmett that the Juve game, that, that is the big disappointment with this with this season in Europe for the Italian sides. I think Juve losing to Villarreal because they shouldn't be based on how much money those two clubs have. 
and uh, and that is the most important factor you can't get away from it and um Milan as well I feel like they should have been qualifying for the Europa League out of that group or they could have been qualifying for the Europa League I feel like they're the two big disappointments I don't think you can really say anything about the other sides I mean Inter ended up, Emmett says that Inter struggled with Inter and Milan struggled with Liverpool's high press so does the rest of Europe who isn't struggling against Liverpool's high press Liverpool are brilliant sides they're the, they're the second first third best team in Europe in the world you know everyone in the Premier League struggling with Liverpool's high press there's no it's no shame to struggle with Liverpool's high press and you and realistically, for all, nearly all European clubs, you can't, com- you can't compare to those teams because they just have too much of an economic advantage. So for this, I, I, I feel like the, the results are disappointing. I, I'm disappointed there's not an Italian side in the last eight of the Champions League, but there's never going to be a guarantee that you are going to have a side in the last eight of the Champions League unless you are one of those super clubs, unless you are a Paris Saint-Germain or, or a Manchester City or Liverpool, what, you know, one of the big Premier League clubs or Paris Saint-Germain or Bayern Munich. These clubs that have huge economic power that, that can guarantee they have a really competitive side every year. At the moment, the Italian sides, with the exception of maybe Juve, just do not have that economic power. So it's, it becomes very difficult. I actually think the quality of the league, if you compare it to kind of five seasons ago is much better is much much better and Juve were you know miles ahead of all the other Italian sides for for a while and they were good enough to get to the finals of the Champions League which is impressive but the rest of the league was you know I can remember when when Inter was struggling to get well they they didn't just struggle they failed to get out of Europa League groups with Hapoel, Beersheba and and Southampton you know they were getting dominated by Southampton I, I remember watching those games and thinking that and 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 really, the only side that were doing okay were Napoli, but they were struggling in Europe as well. So, with the exception of Juve, now there are teams that you know they are competing with the with the better European sides, and the quality of the league is is much higher. Uh, I I I just don't you know th- those Juve sides that we mentioned earlier. Juve were winning the league with with average players. I know they had a great midfield, but they were compared to the Juve side of, of the last two or three seasons. Those those first three or four wins, it was a much worse side. So the the league has come on. In terms of closing the gap, which was the original question, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent. Sam is is it's very difficult unless the economic gap closes, and there is no reason to believe that's going to happen. Um, that's the problem, because the Premier League gets more and more money every year. You know, it looks like the sheikhs are pretty happy to spend for a while, the, uh, you know, in Paris and stuff. So I don't know how you compete with that. I, I, Inter and Milan Stadium might make a difference, um, but it is about making more money to make yourself more competitive. And then and, and, and then it's just about how, you know, you, I guess you, you also have to be a bit lucky in, in the season on season. For example, the Champions League draw, you know, Benfica have ended up going through to the quarterfinals. They played Ajax. Inter probably played better than Benfica in the last 16, I'd say, against Liverpool. And they, they might have played Ajax if that first draw had stood, but they didn't. You know, they both finished second in their group. It's, it's also about luck of the draw. It's, it's these kinds of things. But in terms of competitivity, competing with those top six or seven clubs in Europe that have that economic power, it's very, very difficult. And just in this final section of the show now, I want to touch on... Uh what's coming up this week, which is the World Cup playoffs. Uh, and Italy are involved, of course, having having not got through automatically during the group stage. Um, 
Francesco, I'll come to you first on this. What what do you make of the squad for Italy? And are, are you a bit concerned, particularly by the defence, with Bonucci and Chiellini having not played a lot this year, and Di Lorenzo's already been ruled out after getting injured at the weekend? Yeah, I mean, it is a bit a bit worrying. Um, I think Chiellini played this weekend. He had a good game, um, and they're saying that Bonucci could be fit. Uh, I also think that Bastoni actually has had an excellent season for Inter. He's even this last period of where, where Inter have struggled, he's probably been their best player. So there, there are options there. I think Di Lorenzo is a big miss. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I was reading, I heard somewhere today that, that Mancini is going to go a lot with how players are physically. He's not going to pay attention to, to the history of, of what they've been doing with the, with the national team. He's going to go with who's in the best shape. So yeah, it could be it could be a, a defence that we're not used to. Um, but the rest of the team, I think, probably picks itself. And I think provided they, they do a good job against North Macedonia, then then that should, uh, you know, put them in a in a decent shape going into into the final. Should they get that far? Yeah, they, they play North Macedonia on Thursday in the semi-final. Um, you, you said the team picks itself, Francesco. You sort of think, you know, as long as everyone's fit. But Emma, I, I think there's a bit of sort of. Um, you know, uncertainty perhaps about the front three with, with Chiesa being injured. Um, how do you see Mancini sort of going uh, with that front three? I mean, you'd imagine Lorenzo Insigne will play on the left. Um, Centre forward is always an issue. I mean, we saw that even in the Euros. Ciro Immobile, who's never done it at international level, great for Lazio at club level, but has just never translated that into, you know, funny, Italy have, there's a lot of strikers down the years that have been brilliant at club level, but they just can't transfer to international level. And Immobile, you know, he's one of those that fits in that category. Um, Andrea Bellotti has been injured a lot of the year at Torino. You maybe bring in Gianluca Scamacca, that's a swallow maybe, Raspadori, that's a swallow. You kind of wonder who will, you know, Balotelli was called up, but he's been cut. So you kind of yeah, wonder they've, who they've, they've gone with. They've gone with Joao Pedro in the end, haven't they? So perhaps he yeah. has a sniff. And how about that right side? Do, do you think Berardi will get the nod on the right? Uh, obviously, he started the Euros as well. Um, just got his hundredth goal in Serie A for Sassuolo as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think he will simply because Kies is out. And I don't know who else is a better, who else that Mancini has at his disposal that's better than Berardi. Um, I think Chiesa is a massive blow. I know we, we kind of touched on the defence, but I think having not having Chiesa there is going to be a massive blow for Italy because he was pivotal in the Euros. You know, Italy didn't have a player with his explosive pace and his ability to just skip past players one on one. Um, and they're not going to have that. So I think, you know what? It would not surprise me if Port- if Italy beat Ma- North Macedonia and then Portugal beat Italy. It will not surprise me in the slightest. I just think the Euros covered over a lot of the cracks in the way Italian football are producing young players. And there's, there's still not many Italian coaches willing to give youngsters Italian youngsters a chance in Serie A. And I think, again, a bit like the 2006 World Cup win, 
papered over a lot of the cracks. Italy winning the Euros did exactly the same. And there is just, when you look around, there is a dearth of talent in a lot of ways. I know I'm being ultra negative, but it's just how I see it. You're being <laughs> you way know? too negative. Way too negative. Eric. You think so? Yeah. What do you mean a dearth of talent? I mean, I right. Think, so I think right. they, they find themselves in this situation because Jorginho doesn't, t- doesn't miss his two penalties in back-to-back games. But they, they, they've done it. They do- I mean, you, they had done what they needed. To. They, they outplayed Switzerland in those matches. And they, they, they just don't take their chances. But right now, Italy are a top five team in the world, top eight team in the world, max. And, and they've got, I mean, in their midfield, they've got midfielder upon midfielder. You know, I think he's going to go with Barella, um, Verratti and uh, Jorginho. But then you've got Bonal, you've got Pellegrini, you've got a whole host of brilliant midfielders, Pessina, really, Locatelli, excellent players. I think the centre-forwards, you're right that, that Immobile has never really done it, but I think he's probably is going to start. And, and they have other players coming through, like Skamaka, for example. I, I, do, I don't think there's a dearth of talent. I think right now Italy are a top, probably top five in, in world football, and um, it's just the way that things have worked out. I mean, they, they, they should be kicking themselves because they didn't get the job done. You know, and there's no... They they were they were I guess they took it for granted just because of how for, for three years they hadn't lost and they took it for granted that that, that might that could happen to them I think the, the Bulgaria game really sticks out for me but but I I you know and there's a good chance they won't qualify for the for the for the World Cup but that's because of the quality of their opposition because Portugal are probably also a top five top eight maybe team in in the world so. But but in terms of the quality of Italian players, I, I disagree with you. I think there is quality. I mean, there's quality in certain positions, and you just named six or seven midfielders. But, I mean, how many of them are going to score goals? Like, Italy's problem is scoring goals. Since Spinazzola ruptured his Achilles, Italy have barely scored any goals. Like, he went off in the quarterfinal. Semi-final, they scored one. The final, they scored one. And they struggled for goals in the group stage, like Spinazzola is a massive miss in an attacking sense. And you, I just kind of worry how Italy are going to score the goals to beat Portugal. I mean, I, okay, we're not maybe respecting North Macedonia here, but I just, I don't see where the goals are going to come from. They're not going to come from Immobile. <laughs> you know, even if he does play, maybe Skamaka can offer something different. I just, I'm, I'm more pessimistic, more glass have empty than have full in terms of, and not perhaps maybe not in terms of talent and a lack of it, but more where are the goals going to come from, especially with Chiesa out, you know. So if, 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 if yeah, if, if Italy do beat North Macedonia as as they're expected to, they are at home in that game. They will then quite possibly play away against Portugal. Portugal also have a few absences. Uh, I, I think Ruben Diaz isn't going to play. Uh, Ruben Neves has pulled out because of injury. Uh, I think Renato Sanchez might also be missing. Um, so what sort of chance do you give Italy if, if they do play Portugal uh, on, on Sunday, I think it would be, Francesco? I think it's, uh, you know, 50-50. It's very, it's a very tight on paper. It's a very tight game. I feel like it, you know the Italy that that we saw certainly in the early part of the Euros and even in the final of the Euros would probably beat Portugal. 
but they haven't been as good since since they won that tournament. Um, and and the Italy that we saw in the kind of the eighteen months before the tournament as well, they probably have a very good chance. Uh, I think Portugal are a good side. They've got loads of experienced players. They're streetwise. You know, they're not going to give you anything for free, and. And they have got lots of quality. You know, we've seen Rafael Leao, for example. I don't even know if he's going to start for Portugal. That's how many good players they've got. So it is a, a really tough game. But Italy have a, yeah, I'd say a 50-50 chance. Yeah, and um, the the other thing I wanted to touch on is, worst case scenario, that Italy don't qualify. Um, it would be the second straight tour, uh, World Cup they haven't qualified for. I know Mancini's got a long-term contract, but if, if they didn't, do you think, uh, if they didn't qualify, do you think there's any chance, Emmett, that he possibly walks away and thinks that sort of the Euros was the top of the mountain for this team? Does, it, does he possibly consider getting back into club management or do you think he definitely sticks around no matter what? I would like to think that he would stick around. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, Mancini can only pick from the pool of talent that he has available. Um, and obviously certain things have went against him, i.e. Chiesa getting injured, several other players getting injured. But he might walk away. He might think, look, I don't know if I can do any better. I hope that he doesn't because he's he surpassed my expectations. When Mancini came into the job, I kind of felt, ah, it's kind of more of the same that kind of went before, you know. Because Mancini the style of football that Mancini has got Italy playing, like he didn't show any of that in his last spell as intercoach. You know, he'd become very conservative and then he, he transformed Italy into the swashbuckling side that just attacks from the, you know, very un-Italian-like in a lot of ways. So I hope he sticks around. I hope he doesn't voluntarily walk away. Italy would be foolish to get rid of him because, I mean, he can only work with what he has at his disposal. Um, and it would be it would be catastrophic, I think, if Italy do not qualify. Because since if it turns out that they don't qualify, since winning the World Cup in two thousand six, they have only won a single World Cup game since then. You know, twenty ten they didn't win any. Twenty fourteen they won one against England. Twenty eighteen didn't qualify. Twenty twenty two didn't qualify. Like for a nation of Italy standing, that is an atrocious record. Especially yeah. considering how, they've won, they've won the tournament four times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how how about you, Francesco? Any chance he walks away, or, or does he stick around? Because of course, you know he will have already won the Euros. That there'd still be another two and a bit years till that, and, and another four years until another World Cup. I think there is a chance he walks away. Um, I don't know how keen he is to to go back into club management if he's keen at all. I don't know if he's thinking this might be his last job or not. So, and he is, you know, in the past, he is, he is a bit of a hothead. He can be a bit of a hothead when things aren't going his way. So I wouldn't put it past Mancini just saying I've had enough and walking away. Um, but I don't think there'll be any kind of push from, from anyone in the Italian Federation or even from the Italian fans. I think, you know, We've seen how how Italy play. They play really good football. They've they've won a major tournament under under him. So I think even if if they weren't able to get to the World Cup, everyone would be happy for for Mancini to stay on. And and I think there is potential for this team to to go on in the future. I know that Bonucci and Chiellini are getting on a bit, but but most of the players would still be good to go for at least another tournament. So yeah. 
Okay, so just to finish off the episode, I, w- I want to get predictions from you. So in, in one word from each of you, so Emmett first, we're literally qualified for the World Cup. Yes. He's going, yeah, after all that negativity, all, all that half-glass <laughs> half glass empty stuff, you've then gone, yes, I'm, I'm stunned by that. But uh, I think I, they'll, do, they'll do enough just about to scrape it over the line, I think. Yes. That's brilliant, that is. Uh, and now Francesco is going to go, no, you watch <laughs> Francesco. No, I'm, I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say anything. I can't. I can't. Uh, no, I, I don't want are you, to. Are you worried that you're going to curse them? Exactly. Are, yeah. you, su- are you superstitious? I, you, can't, you can't give a result of Italy getting someone cup or not, Sam. It would be madness. No. Okay. Look well, at Francesco. Yeah. They're sitting, sitting on the fence. Who would have thought that? <laughs> yeah well we shall see what we'll find out in, in less than a week's time but thanks a lot for joining me guys um i'm sure we'll debrief and unless italy lose and in, in which case we'll all just lie low and pretend it never happened but um but yeah thanks for joining me and thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you again soon bye-bye